Good morning, family. Good morning. Hey, and guests, your family too. We, say, we serve one father yeah. together. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to be in a room with family. Listen, you can sense in the spirit that God has us in a season of revealing things to us. In particular, answers. Yeah. Who needs answers in this room? Yeah. Answers to what our hearts have been yearning for deeply within us. I can say with confidence that I'm standing in a room with sons and daughters of God who are hungry for a greater revelation, a greater understanding, and a greater capacity of a heart to want to go out and do the will of God. Come on, how beautiful was Pastor Michael's message last week? We were in Chicago, but we listened from afar, and it looks like this church is a church that, that wrestles with the Word of God. As I begin to understand the heart of Christ, I begin to understand his word that much more. Drawing near is everything, and wrestling with the word of God is everything, because it shapes you, it forms you, it causes you to be everything that he's called you to be. How awesome is that we belong to a father who desires to provide direction to us every time we ask. Luke 11, verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask. Somebody say, ask. ask. And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Come on, imagine if we had the type of faith that if we went knocking on heaven's door, the father would open the door up and say, son, this is the answer I have for you today. How many of us are in need of answers? I am. This is what he's doing this morning in our lives. He's in a time of revealing answers. I want to start this message by praying. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that you want to reveal answers, Lord, deep within our hearts, Lord. Lord God, that you do not leave us wanting, Lord God, answer every single question that we have in due time. God, thank you that you're raising our faith. Lord God, thank you that you're making us to be a people, Lord God, that we keep moving forward, though we do not see what is next, Lord. Lord, and we believe this, that you are revealing today everything that your sons and daughters need for today. Lord, we thank you for the word in Jesus' name. You know, I fall more in love with Jesus every single day, despite the circumstances. You know, I remember a time when I was young when there wasn't much to worry about, and it was really easy to love the Lord. But when we have immense things to worry about right now, it can get a little harder. Because truthfully, as things get harder, we choose to love ourselves rather love Him. We do not find him to be the one who nourishes us, who takes care of those anxious thoughts inside of us, who helps us each day. Rather, we go to ourselves and we stare ourselves in the mirror and we have those awkward conversations. You can do this. That doesn't help, does it? I found myself in a multitude of opportunities where I needed an answer for something. And truthfully, I did not have the answer that I needed. This is what's been provoking me for a hunger for the word. I want to be a good shepherd because he is a good shepherd. Do you desire to be a good shepherd? Then you must go to him. He'll give you all the answers. But truthfully, I've been running into many situations in the last couple of weeks where I did not have answers. Answers for you, answers for myself, answers for them. You know we have a responsibility to have the answer, saints? 
you can get it today. Though there are many questions that I face day to day, there's one that seems to be the hardest, and it's the answers to the ones that I ask myself. There's all these inner turmoil, all these things going on within your heart, right? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? Why is this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I? Why do I? Proverbs 21, verse 2. It says, all a man's ways seem right to him. But the Lord weighs the heart. It is within our human nature to want to defend that which God would desire to prune. The battle that we face daily is the battle within ourselves. The issue is, if we do not make God the judge, then before long we will live in a democracy rather than kingship. Where Yahweh is seated on the throne of your hearts. You're your own king. You're your own judge. And according to Proverbs 21, you can't judge rightly because all of your ways seem right to you. Church, I believe Holy Spirit has come to answer some questions we've been asking ourselves this morning. He has come to weigh our hearts because he desires a whole and healthy body. Are you ready? Yes. Listen, today's title of to, uh, the title of today's message is, He is able, you are Cain. James 4, verse 1. Listen to this. What causes fight and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may get what you get of your pleasures. Verse 11. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law, and it judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you... Who are you to judge your neighbor? Who's the judge, church? He is. Fights, quarrels, and desires battling within you. There's a common theme here, and I believe it goes past James' choice of vocabulary. Let's be honest, it's all about you. We just got done singing, it's all about you, referring to the Lord. But let's be honest, in our life, a lot of times it's all about me. It's all about me. James is saying that clearly here, you, 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 you have all these issues. And he goes on to say, who are you to judge? Only he is the one who judges. Only he is the one who brings life and brings destruction. Saints, this morning we're going to highlight and make clear that selfishness, is the root to what steals the God-given life from your lungs. Selfishness. It's all about you. Selfishness only takes and it never gives. What is gained for yourself quickly falls out of the palm of your hands. If democracy is what worked, there sure would be a lot less brokenness outside, wouldn't there? 
all equal shares. Everybody's equal. Everybody's got the same thing. Everybody's got the same amount. Don't work. Every, we can't have a million kings. That's complete division, and it pr provides chaos. We only have one king, and that is Jesus Christ. Self-intoxication. We'll leave this house this morning in Jesus' name. I'm tired of it. Are you? James makes it clear that this type of life only provokes murderous actions only provokes quarrels and leaves you coveting and wanting at the end of the day. When it's all about you, you are left empty. That's not satisfaction at all. It's absolutely a distraction. Amen, Pastor Lennon? Amen. He truly sat satisfies us and we can't satisfy ourselves. It's all about you. What will I get out of this? How can I profit from this? What about my opinion? What about my family? What about my children? What about my house? What about my car? What about my health? What about my needs? What about my wants? What about my recognition? What about my struggles? Who in here has been intoxicated with yourself? I have. Let's turn to Genesis 4. He is able... And we are Cain. Amen. Say there when you're there. <laughs> All right, verse 1. It says, Adam laid with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of his soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Then the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while that we are in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. You are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I, want to be, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one would find him, who find him kill, would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of the Eden. Listen, the firstborn Cain 
conceived through the help of the Lord, receives the blessing of a brother Abel in his life. We're going to break down this story for you in a minute. I'm going to lay out the clear facts and details, and then we're going to get into some revelation. This account's very straightforward for us this morning. There's two brothers. Two had offerings from the Lord. God chose Abel's offering. It did not neglect the fact that Cain had something there to present, though. But within Cain's heart was something that was not okay with being the one chosen by the Lord as the acceptable offering. He was not okay with Abel being chosen. God did not abandon him. And there was no rejection. But the next passage, the Lord is quickly confronting him. And notices that something is wrong. Verse 6. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching. At your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What is it then that is not right with Cain, saints? Is that he brought fruit? Was it, was it that he brought fruit, fruit from the field? No. Is it that Cain worked the soil? No. At this point, was Cain accepted? Yes. Yet it was something within Cain that sought to take him away from the acceptance of his father. Something was driving inside of him. Sin was creeping at his door. The unseen things were beginning to happen. And the, and the Lord was aware of it. Like the older brother in the parable of the lost son, Cain cannot within himself celebrate his brother's acceptance. Because within his heart, that meant rejection. Why? Because it's all about Cain. It's all about you, Cain. What happens then when it becomes all about Cain? Sin is crouching at his door and his father warns him about it. Why didn't you accept my offering? It's not about your offering, Cain. It's about Abel's. Well, what does that mean? It just means that we're going to celebrate Abel in this time. What happens then when it come, becomes all about Cain? Sin is crouching at his door, and his father warned him about it. Saints, how many in this room presently feel like sin is out to get you? Like you cannot catch a break from sin. It's a vicious cycle, and you cannot seem to beat it. Did you know? That you weren't intended to live with such a threat hanging over your head. But I'll tell you right now that selfishness will only be used as a key to let it in. Just like Cain. Sin is crouching at your door, Cain. What are you going to do with that, son? Are you going to master it? Or is it going to master you? I'd like to pause here and fill a few details in for you. 
Within your word, there are many beautiful details. Amen. Amen. God gave Adam and Eve both Abel and he gave Cain. Listen, Abel was responsible for tending the flocks and Cain, he was responsible for working the ground, producing harvest for the family and food for the flocks to eat and flourish. Without Cain, Abel would not have land that could handle flocks. And without Abel, the family would not flourish in the land with meat, milk, clothings, and all of those things you needed to survive. Both worked in a way that caused them to have an abundance for an offering. Yet none would have an offering to give if one did not fulfill their duty. Cain and Abel, a pair of brothers that without each other could not fulfill their inheritance. Up to this point, Abel and Cain worked hand in hand. In Hebrew, Cain's name literally translates to possession. And if you look in the translation to Abel's name, it means breath. So possession and breath. Cain, possession, Abel, breath. At this point, Cain, with the help of God, gave Abel the ability to thrive with the resources that he needed to fulfill his call. But it was Abel... The breath that gave Cain his purpose or his why for possessing the land. What's the point of possessing a land that you have nobody to give it to? Quite literally, Abel was Cain's breath that enabled him to be the man who takes possession. Abel was his brother's breath, his inspiration to fulfill what his name literally meant was to possess something. But how am I supposed to possess something if I don't have the breath in my lungs to do it? We have to learn today that without Abel, Cain could not do what Cain needed to do. And without Abel, or without Cain, Abel would not flourish in the land with his flocks. Church, how long can you live without breath not long for Cain he could not even fulfill his God-given purpose without Abel what's the point of possessions if you have no one to give them to this would be a worthless inheritance and that's not what the father's after and these two either verse 8 now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, am I my brother's keeper? Cain takes his inspiration, the breath, to the fields he had spent his whole life cultivating and says, look what I've done with my own hands. And kills him there. He calls his brother out to the fields. The thing that he's been cultivating his entire life. And he saw it as a perfect opportunity to slaughter him right there. I don't need you, Abel. I'm going to kill you in the fields that I've been working on. 
Abel, the breath, and the beneficiary of his brother's labor, gets called out to the fields only to be murdered there. Why? Because of his brother's inward rejection. My offering wasn't suitable for my father, therefore you need to go. The best place to do it is to show you, first, the last thing I want you to see before you close your eyes on this earth is what I did for myself. Selfishness. And sin's creeping at his door, and he acted on it. I've worked so hard my entire life to make sure your flocks get fed. And I get this? Rejection. But who, who was rejected? Who rejected Cain? Cain rejects his inspiration. Cain rejects his brother. Cain rejects his inheritance. Why? Because it's all about Cain. It's all about Cain. It's all about me. It's all about you. Let's continue in verse 9. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. With his hands stained with blood, the father asked Cain, where is your breath? And Cain can't find it in himself anymore. How many times have you asked yourself that? Where's my breath? Where's all this anxiety coming from in me? Why am I feeling like I can't breathe? I can't live the way that God asked me to live? It's because you probably killed it. You probably killed it because it's all about you. The Lord says, where is Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Wrong answer. Where is your breath? Listen, church, the longer and longer you ignore your brothers and the more and more you spend time on yourself, it will only produce more and more anxiety. It will only steal your breath away. It will only cause you to live anything other than the peace that the Lord has for you. But you believe you can be the judge. You believe that you are the master and you can build something even more beautiful. I am Cain. Selfishness took away Cain's inspiration and took away Cain's inheritance. Cain, after committing murderous action against his brother, did not only kill his companion, but killed his calling. For what purpose? Because Cain became more concerned about Cain than he did about his companion. What comes next is devastating to Cain's trajectory because he now has no one to receive his hard work of cultivation in the field but is only left to himself and that is not going to work. Verse 12. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wonder on the earth. Cain, before choosing to take his brother's life, lived in satisfaction of his father's inheritance. He was doing it. 
He was cultivating fields. He even had enough of it to be able to offer it to the Lord. And his family is getting fed. And Abel's flocks are growing. What a better life. It's, everything is working. But he's still upset. And now he's left with an whole fields and everything that, in theory, he can't give to anybody. And what the word says is that he's getting cast out from right now. Now under a curse, he no longer has the ability or the breath in himself to yield a crop. He has left a restless wanderer on the earth and chose the bait of sin to drag him away from his God-given purpose. This is what selfishness does. With sin creeping at his door, God never allowed Cain to walk blindly into the action of murder. We need to understand this. This didn't happen so quickly for Cain. There was already a seed of murder within his heart, and it stemmed from rejection. And that grew and was watered with selfishness. Cain saw it coming. He counted its cost and decided that Cain was worth more than God-given inspiration. Who in this room is an older brother or sister to somebody? Do you remember when that sibling came and you were excited to take the venture on of being a good brother and sister? It's exciting. For me, I had Dylan, and then I had Anna, so I had a brother and a sister. And I had this pressure on me. It wasn't a bad pressure. It was an exciting thing that I get to show these guys the ropes how to do it. It's inspiring, right? Until you believe in your heart that they might just take your place. Like Cain and Abel, that sibling who made you who you are, the older brother or sister, and enabled you to be who you were destined to be, is not a threat, but only a blessing. Amen? But as selfishness does, it comes knocking on the door, ready to take you away and make you do these things that you would never imagine doing in your entire life. Man, when it becomes all about you, people better watch out. Church, Abel was not Cain's threat, but was born to be Cain's companion. Selfishness will never let you see it any other way, though. What self-intoxication does is it causes you to take your eyes off your God-given purpose, your God-given inheritance, and your God-given destiny, and causes you to drive yourself straight out of the presence of God. You have effectively become a one-man show, and without the breath of the Spirit, and the purpose that you will not bear any fruit in his kingdom and become a target for an enemy to sift you like wheat. You can't do anything effective in selfishness for the Lord. Again, you might be able to do it for yourself, but you'll be a, a, an island ready to be picked off from the enemy. And I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this in warning. Just like the father warned Cain, sons, your sin's creeping at your door. What are you going to do with it? You can master it, by the way. This wasn't like, you're damned right here. 
This is like, hey, son, you got to master this. I can see what's coming for you. You are no longer able because you have killed Abel in your fields. You are no longer able to produce fruit. You're no longer able to grow flocks because you killed Abel in the fields. That's not smart. Verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from this land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Man, how terrifying of a day that was for Cain. Honestly, Cain killed his brother. Doesn't he deserve death? I imagine if you killed your brother in the field, the penalty of that would be eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But what, honestly, Cain gets what he does not deserve in this moment. Cast it from his presence, but yet not dead. Church, we see the devastation that sin brings. Isn't that devastating? Cain killed his purpose through much consideration and one murderous action and did not come without warning. Dragged out of the presence of Yahweh by a great intoxicated, selfish heart, he was now prone to enemies too killing him in the way that he killed his brother. Think about this way. He walks out of the protection of the Lord, and now he's surrounded by a bunch of other canes. Men who are bloodthirsty waiting to go and kill somebody else. This is what selfishness does. You think you'll have friends in a selfish place, but the ones who flock around you probably just want to be selfish as well. This is, this is no social club, church. This is a family. And the way that you build family is pouring yourself out before each other. And there will be no murdering brothers in the field here. Cain can only attract other Cains. And Cains can only congregate outside of the presence of the Lord. It can't be had any other way. You cannot expect to be selfish and you cannot expect to uh, build a culture of selfishness and the presence of God being with you. It's impossible. And if you believe it's true, you're being lied to and sin's creeping at your door. But the Father's warning you today. Selfishness in the moment will take you where your heart wants to go, but will lead you to places that you never want it to be. Abel was a blessing to Cain. Amen? And Cain was a blessing to Abel. Amen? Let it not be that we allow selfishness to fool us the way it fooled Cain. Let me tell you, your brothers are a blessing. Amen? And this was not, and this is not and will not be anyone's story in this place. Because I know that you all desire to live under the rulership and authority of your king and master Jesus. Amen? 
Proverbs 21 says that to a man, all of his ways seem right, but it's the God who weighs out the heart. This message is meant to weigh out your heart this morning. Is there a little bit of selfishness in you? Me too. And this message for all of us, God's weighing our heart because he would never desire us to be like Cain. Let me. He was a man who put all before himself, Jesus was. And he raised a generation of men that did the same. This is why we're standing in this room this morning. Jesus was selfless. He got, according to Isaiah, he was dragged like a lamb unto the slaughter. People considered him to be stricken, beaten, cursed by God. But he bore our sins for us and the most selfless act laying naked on a cross for us. We must be that to others. Matthew 22, verse 36. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Somebody uh, fist bump your neighbor right now. Are these your brothers and sisters? Let me tell you something. You need every single person in this room. Because outside of, you can't do anything in the kingdom outside of yourself. And you've been lying your, to yourself for too long, and it's time to get up and be who Jesus was on this earth. First John 3, verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Man, we're living in a generation that's trying to redefine what love is. And they're not doing a very good job. It's wicked. And it's bringing destruction, and it's, and it's literally um, neutering the men who need to stand up in this generation. It's the uh, spiritual eunuchs that all this selfishness can produce. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for, say us. us. And we ought to lay down our lives, say our, our. lives, for our brothers. This has to do with everybody. Doesn't have to be, this ain't no James 4. You, 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 you. This is us. This is our brothers. This is our lives. We, we come together, and in the presence of God, we can be unified. And his presence is there, and it is acceptable to him. And what do we do with our lives? We pour it out for our brothers. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? That's, that's a convicting word. How many times we turn a blind eye to a brother in need? Because you got to get to what you need to get to. That's not, that's not good. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. Oh, I love you, brother. I'll be praying for you. Why don't you pray for the brother right there? 
Do not let us love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Say action. action. This is how we know. This is how the assurance of the love that we have. This is how we know that it belongs, that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Yeah. Come on, you remember Abel? What does Abel's name mean? Breath. Man, I tell you how much more breath I could have in my lungs each day if I did not think about me first. But if I saw his kingdom first, then everything else would be added to me. You know that he even feeds the sparrow? Why are we so concerned about all these things whenever he's feeding birds? Because we're selfish. Maybe it's that won't really truly thank God enough for what he has given. Everything starts with gratitude, saints. Did you know that the breath that you do have in your lungs is a gift? This really concerns me why atheists are pointing their finger at God like their life isn't a blessing. Listen, he's, a, he's given us everything we need, and this is how you know you belong to the truth, is you lay down your life for one another. I don't have the book of Acts in this message today, but you remember that type of life they lived? Do you remember the inspiration that came from the breath of God filling the place? And, and there's tongues of fire over their heads, and they're like, dude, we're like human candles right now. We got aroma going up to the heavens. And his breath lit this thing up. Whether Cain knew it or not, Abel lit up the dude's ministry. To be able to go and take possession. It was his God-given call. It was his name. But Cain saw saw Abel as a threat. Who in here has saw your brothers as a threat to your ministry? Get rid of that thought today. Because... Sin will crouch at your door. It's selfish. First John 3, verse 6, uh, 19. Then this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Who wants rest in his presence today? Yeah. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, amen? Yeah. And he knows everything. We are those who belong to the truth. And like Pastor Michael preached last week, it is that which causes us to be set free. We have Christ who dwells in our hearts, and we must surrender to his works and leave a life of selfishness today. Amen? Amen? So that we might delight in his wonderful inheritance. Man, he is so good to us. Though at times we are Cain, and we drive ourselves out of his presence. He did not kill us on the spot. It is today that you have, and how will you use it, church? Because you can walk away from selfishness in a moment. You know what it takes? Repentance. A heart of humility. One that says, I cannot do anything outside of you, Lord. I need you to help me. Because in my flesh, I want to feed myself. Teach me how to feed your sheep. Like Abel, you have been marked out for a purpose and you have been filled with the breath of his spirit to live a godly life. 
We now have a responsibility of abandoning our man-made ship and returning to the ship whose captain is Jesus Christ because he's able and you are able. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, of that stained blood from your brother Abel, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. God's not going to take haughty laughter in here anymore. God's not going to take what I did, what I'm doing, what I can give. He's going to take a humble servant in this place. Humble yourselves before God, and guess what? He will lift you up. You want to be elevated in the kingdom? Become the lowest man in the room. Because he is the one who lifts us up. If your hands are stained with blood this morning, with your brother's blood, like James 4 read this morning, you too can be cleansed and set apart for his work. And abandon all of your vain pursuits. He will help you and he will clean your dirty conscience that leaves you feeling nothing but rejected. Who wants to be healed from that today? Listen to Isaiah 59, it's pretty beautiful. Verse 1 Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. I said, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Nor his ears too dull to hear. But your iniquities, listen to this. Let it pierce your heart this morning. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood. Your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue mutters wicked things. This is where selfishness gets you. But what did he say in verse 1? His arm is not too short to save it. Let's face it. There are areas in our life, and absolutely in my life, where it has been all about me. We have killed our brother. We have killed his inspiration. And there's only one way to get back. And it's through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And our repentance. His arm is not too short to save. He is faithful. Come on, Cain, you're not dead yet. Come back into my presence. Stop. Trying, living in this false reality that you have a bunch of canes that you're hanging out with and all you guys talk about is what you did, what you want, what you're doing, everything else. No, that's not how you build brotherhood. That's how you build a quarrel's rebellion. Listen, I'll make it today. You are not Cain. You are able. You are able to do this, and you've been filled with the inspiration and the breath of God, but something's been creeping at your door, and it's going to go today in Jesus' name. Stand, stand up with me. Stand up with me. This is a short message, just straight to the point message. 
But this is a message where we take action with what we heard. 